Welcome to Wine Country Women with Michelle Mandreau, the podcast for wine enthusiasts who are curious not only about what goes in the bottle, but the remarkable women who make these distinctive winemaking regions so special. Each week, Michelle introduces you to a prominent woman and takes a peek inside her life. Welcome to today's Wine Country Women podcast. I'm Michelle Mandreau, and I am with Emma Swain, the CEO of St. Supery Estate Vineyards and Winery here in the Napa Valley. She's also one of the fantastic women featured in my book, Wine Country Women of Napa Valley. Emma. Michelle, it's so nice to be here with you today, and it's just another beautiful day here in Napa Valley. Just another beautiful day in the Napa Valley. It's sunny, and it's spectacular, and I am so honored to be with you today. And likewise, it's always great to see you. You are one of my most favorite people, and you are such a successful CEO. I feel so lucky that you are able to carve out just a few minutes to chat with me today. So I think we should dive right in. What I am so perplexed by, and I'm hoping that you'll shed some light on, is you, of course, went to UC Davis, like a lot of people in the wine industry did, but you kind of focused on finance and became a CPA. Did you always know you wanted to work in the wine industry, but in numbers, in finance? I knew the first time I came to Napa Valley that I wanted to live here. And I was 17. I had gone up to Davis to get an apartment um, to start school with my dad. And we came back through wine country. And I just thought, this is the most beautiful place I've ever been. I really would love to live here. And that's always been in the back of my mind. And... When I was in college, of course, being so close to Napa Valley, my boyfriend at the time, now husband, and I used to come up to Napa Valley and we just said, how are we going to live there? And you made it happen. (laughs) We made it happen. Long-term goals, they're good. Right. You have worked for a few wineries before St. Supery, but you landed here in 2009 as the CEO and your focus has been to be an estate grown product. Why is that so important to you? You know, since I started in the wine business, when I very first started, I sat next to Al Bronstein, the founder of Diamond Creek. And he was saying to me, you know, the only way to make the very best wine is to have complete control over your grapes and your winemaking and to be in a state winery. And I really took that to heart. I think any product that you make, when you can control your supply chain, when you can control how every single detail is made, that's the way to make the very best product. Maybe that makes us a little bit particular here at St. Supery, but I know that Michael Scholes, our VP of Viticulture and Winemaking, definitely shares that view with me, that we want to do our very best. And to do that, we need to know everything that's happening in the vineyard and in the cellar. Give me a little history lesson of him. So Michael Scholes um, started with St. Supery um, in the early 90s, and he created our Sauvignon Blanc style He worked with Michelle Roland to create our ALU, our Red Bordeaux Varietal Blend. He was here for uh, about six years, worked on planting a lot of our vineyards. Then he left to start another project for a few years and came back in 2009. And you've been together ever since. We've been together ever since. 
And he believes, like you do, that in order to create high-quality, fantastic wine, it must be estate-grown. Yeah, we all have a shared vision here at St. Supery. It's super important to us to work as a team and to put St. Supery first because we feel like if the winery succeeds and the wines are fantastic and we do a good job of taking care of our guests and bringing them joy, then success will follow for all of us. Well, on that note, you so generously poured some of your fabulous rosé for us today. Let's briefly talk about it. Right. Well, this is fun. It's our 2022 uh, St. Supery Estate Rosé. And it's all five of the red Bordeaux varietals. So it comes from our two properties, our high elevation Dollarhide Vineyard, um, as well as our beautiful Rutherford Vineyard. It's mostly Cabernet Sauvignon, but I sort of think of it as my summer red wine and my winter white wine. Because in the summer, you know, sometimes you want something a little bit hardier. It's a hearty rosé. Mm-hmm. It's a dry rosé. It smells like strawberries. Um, it's just quite delicious. And I love it with a grilled salmon with a strawberry salsa. I love it just sipping on the porch like you and I are doing right now, which it's is perfect, kind of perfect, or even a strawberry and goat cheese mm. crostini with a little balsamic. Mm. Delicious. It's got a lot going on, and it's fantastic. It's not a, dare I say, watered-down rosé. It's got, a, at all. <laughs> got a, a lot of fantastic flavors. And, you know, the best thing about rosés is, you know, they pair almost perfectly with anything. So yeah. you made some great suggestions, but um, you can't go wrong. And this is definitely one everyone should be enjoying. Well, we don't make a lot of it, but we do sell it here at the winery, and it has some limited distribution around the U.S., so if you want to take a try, check out the Wine Searcher on our website. We'll show you, based on your zip code, where it's available, or you can always get it here with us. Well, let's talk about St. Supery, some numbers, shall we? How much wine do you make? Ah, uh, well, that's tricky. <laughs> <laughs> how, much can, how much wine can you tell us you make? <laughs> well, I can tell you that we have about 550 acres of vineyard. And um, as we're a state, Mm-hmm. Every season is different mm-hmm. as far as what how much we're making because we can't buy any fruit. And as you know, in 2020, we only had two days of harvest before mm-hmm. the fires hit. So we made 1,800 cases that year and wow. then followed by two years of drought. So very limited um, production. And but we're, you know, all of our wines are available now. We're back in stock with the Napa Valley Estate Sauvignon Blanc that was short. So we're excited to have wines all around the country again. Okay, so she told me how many acres. She won't tell me the production, but that's well, okay. I, I mean, it fluctuates. It can be, it can be as high as 100,000 cases. <gasps> wow. Yeah. Do you sell off any of your fruit? No, no, we don't sell any fruit. We do, however, sell a little bit of wine mm-hmm. that doesn't make the St. Supery cut. So we grow everything to make a quality wine. But of course, you have the hard press and those bulk wines that we sell those off that don't make the cut for our quality. One of my most 
favorite wines that you make is the Dollar Hyde Sauvignon Blanc. Oh, I love that wine. I, I mean, like... I love them all, but... Well, <laughs> <laughs> yes, they are all fantastic. Sauvignon Blancs have gotten very popular lately, and yours is especially good to me. It has a lot of those, and, and I'm not sure how you describe it, but like almost tropical fruit flavors. It does. You know, at Dollar Hyde... Well, in Napa Valley, we have half the world soil orders. And at Dollar Hyde, we have seven different soil series and 13 variations. And we grow our own field selection of Clone One Sauvignon Blanc all over the property. And that soil, that high elevation, that creates a different flavor profile in each of those locations and and different harvest decisions do. So some of it gets that tropical fruit, some of it gets that pink grapefruit, green lime, and it depends on the site. We have 44 different parcels of Sauvignon Blanc on the Dollar Hyde Ranch, and they each bring a different component to the Napa Valley Estate Sauvignon Blanc blend. And then the Dollar Hyde Sauvignon Blanc comes from the oldest parcel planted in 1985. And that parcel tends to have a lot of tropical fruit. It's in a heavier soil and it's and, and always a little pink grapefruit to me um, mm. from that wine. Sometimes even a hint of fennel and caper. Um, and we also do a little bit of barrel fermentation with that one for uh, texture and volume. It's not a wimpy Sauvignon Blanc. No, it is not. It's no wimpy wines. No, no wimpy as, wines. As the Ravenswood used to say. I read that you strive for the wow factor. Well, you know, we're always here to make people happy and mm-hmm. to bring a little joy and, and to surprise and excite people. And that, to me, is kind of the wow factor, whether it's our wines or your tasting experience or the beautiful garden you're in, or just listening to the birds mm-hmm. all around the property that we can hear today. Are you ever satisfied? Oh, now. Because <laughs> <laughs> I feel like you're always striving to be better and better. But, you know, do, do you ever take a moment and say, wow, we did really good. So I'm satisfied today. Yeah. You know, I I definitely, when we, especially when we finish projects, there's always things that we can do more but we have a lot of completion of projects completion of a new wine and particularly the other day we were tasting um, with some of our new team members and we tasted the 2018 RU3 and I said to Michael wow I haven't had this in um, a few months and it's just so delicious. <laughs> <laughs> she was satisfied then. <laughs> yes, definitely. It's kind of like golf. You're always shooting for the perfect score, score but never <laughs> quite there. Mm. You've been in the wine industry for 25 years. Who has inspired you along the way? Oh my goodness, so many people. Um, Is there one or two that you can talk about? You know, I really um, loved working with Richard and Marianne, uh, Sebastiani Cuneo. Um, Both of them brought different aspects of the business forward for me. It was fantastic working with them. And John Skepney, um, Susie Owen, Doug Schaefer, Russ Weiss. I have so many friends and mentors that inspire me um, all the time. This is a great community, and I think I'm not alone in that quest for excellence. I think they all are, too. 
are striving for that. Oh, and Linda Reef, of course. My goodness, I'm I'm leaving people out. There's too many. Well, you named a good handful, and and those are the ones that quickly came to mind. Top moment of your career so far? Well, I think one of my sort of surprise top moments was, um, you know, when I started at Saint Supery. And, and Michael came back on right afterwards. We were very united in our focus for quality and invested a lot of the, the family's money in improving our vineyards and our infrastructure and, and really just working super hard. And Robert Parker gave us some really nice scores and we, we thought, oh, maybe we'll get one or two. And we'd, we'd never been scored by him before. And I think we got nine oh, all wow. at once. And so we were, we were all just sort of blown away. And I, I know that, you know, scores aren't everything, but it's also a validation that we're moving in the right direction. And his comments that no other winery in Napa Valley had done so much to improve quality as we had that, you know, it that for me was more important than the numbers because it was the recognition that we were doing the right thing. We were moving in the right direction and had had more success than we even realized. So what's the future hold for you on your career? Well, I hope that will generate and encourage new leaders from St. Supery um, in their careers here and, um, and in the Valley. I'm looking forward to the next generation taking over one day soon. <laughs> <laughs> and I enjoy working um, with our up and coming team members as, and our existing team members. So it's a lot of, a lot of fun. And, and I think that, you know, professionally, i like to see us purchase some more vineyards and continue to enhance what we're doing at St. Supery from a um, guest experience perspective. We've always been very encouraging of discovery and tasting and noting what you like, what your wine experience should be like so that you can replicate that. And that's important to me, um, giving people um, a little bit of happiness when they come here. You were recently, in the last few years or so, acquired by Chanel. Yes, it's been eight years. How has that changed, the wine business here? I think that um, when I started, the Scallies were, the Scally family who founded us were very encouraging when I said what we needed to do to invest in the winery and how to improve it. And, and they were really on board, and I appreciate especially looking back what a leap of faith that was in myself and the rest of the team um, but they did it and I, I think that Chanel appreciated that um, with our performance our past performance and also by keeping our existing team on and they bring um, a great depth of knowledge in the wine business from the wineries in France they bring a great perspective of excellence. They have so many wonderful people around the world that we get to work with that help us in different areas, whether it be hospitality or legal or human resources or technology. It's just wonderful to work with such smart people um, around the world who are excited about our wines and um and bring you know new levels of expertise to us but they're very good at, at providing us with strategy and moving forward 
Yeah. That seemed like such the corporate answer. <laughs> it's not. It's so true. I but mean, it's wonderful I, to have that support. I, you know, I, I've worked in large companies before and it's wonderful how exciting we've got the treasury team and um, ESG team are going to be here from all over the world next week. And we're included in their meetings on how we can improve our corporate governance and sustainability. And we get to share that vision of what we're doing as well. You know, it, it's remarkable to work with a group of people who every day do their best. And that's who Chanel is. Doing your best. And you definitely do a fantastic job here. Talking about the wines. In your opinion, what's the hidden gem in your portfolio? I think the the wine that, that people don't think about so much is the Rutherford Merlot. I mean, we're sitting right in front of the vineyard where it comes from. So that's our Rutherford Vineyard Merlot right there. And um, I love this wine. It has just great depth and... Um, texture and all the wines from Rutherford have a, a really beautiful fine-grained tannin but the the Rutherford Merlot has this uh, center volume and it's just so flexible with the type of food that I like to cook I like to we have a very fresh style of cooking in our household and um, it's a wonderful complement to pretty much everything we make you know not to bring up a potentially sore subject, but that damn movie Sideways oh. kind of put a damper on Merlot, didn't it? You know, it. I mean, it's just so silly. It was such a terrible movie, in my <laughs> opinion. Um, I mean, the man had no good qualities. He stole from his mother. He was rude. Um, and, and and yet, people accepted his opinion of Merlot, except at the end, he was drinking Merlot. I don't right. Know. Right. <laughs> well, I love Merlot. And while I don't recall yours, having tasted yours in recent times, I am confident it's fantastic. It's really, it's a, it's a beautiful wine. And it's a wine that kind of makes everyone at the table happy. And usually a Merlot is food friendly. Yes. Yeah. I think it's nice, you know, if you're in a steakhouse and you're the one person who's eating fish, Mm -hmm. um, it's a better choice than Cabernet and everyone with their steak is still happy. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Learn more about the women who live in wine country when you purchase one of our lifestyle books at winecountrywomen.com. Well, let's talk about your personal life now. Okay, bring it on. <laughs> Where do you live in the Napa Valley? What town? We live in the city of Napa. Okay. So. Have you lived in the city of Napa the whole time? Yes, actually. Okay. We've lived um, we, we've lived downtown for um, 20 years now. Right. And seen quite a resurgence of downtown Napa and love it. Um, but we also are building a new home just outside of the city. So in, in the county of Napa, but close to the, the southern end of Napa Valley. Okay, so all the places you could live in the Napa Valley, how did you choose the town of Napa or the surrounding area of Napa, the town of Napa? Well, we chose the, the city of Napa and where we are downtown um, because of the house. And um, we bought a, a 1904 home um, that was partially gutted, and it had it was just a great party house. It has a wonderful flow. We love to give parties. We walked in, and yes, it, the floor was not really there everywhere, and <laughs> um, and there was uh, you know 
no insulation and many, many issues with it, but we have lovingly restored it for quite a long time. And I love the character of an old house, but I particularly love the amount of wall space we have for art and the flow of the house is exceptional for parties. So it seems only fitting to ask you what your decorating style is. Perhaps the interesting way to put it is we converted the living room to the dining room because we have a 14 foot dining room table that oh my um, gosh that our, our friends built for us so our our style is very welcoming we love to have um, people over and we have a lot of color in our house but we also have a lot of art I think we bought art before furniture or our furniture is our art um, in some instances so it's it's definitely been about what's what's on the walls and the craftsmanship. So who are some of the artists that grace your walls? You know, a lot of local artists, some artists from New York, Ellen Nadell from uh, Marin. Um, we have several of her pieces, Timothy Horn. Um, we, we have a lot of, lot of local artists, uh, Nick Rosal out of uh, New York. So it just... A variety. A great variety, and um, we see something, and if it stirs an emotion that's positive, then it tends to end up in the house. <laughs> <laughs> do you still have any wall space left? <laughs> you know, sometimes we have to do the grand art rotation in order to see everything. Fascinating. What kind of music do you like to listen to? You know, I, I like a lot of different styles of music. I, I think... Um, I probably slide into that 70s punk uh, a little bit, but also, um, you know, we en we enjoy chamber music in Napa Valley, but um, college indie rock for the last several decades is tends to be the default. Okay. Do you, other than art, do you collect anything? Do you have a hobby? I run. That's, wow. Yeah. Okay. I run. Um, I love to hike. I love to be outside. Um, I used to garden a lot more when I had more time, but um, that's a, a lot of what we do. I love to cook. I love to host our friends in our house. Okay, I've got to ask, do you have a go-to recipe that's always a crowd favorite? Salads are, are one of my things, definitely not desserts. So, I, you know, my, my best advice is if you're coming for dinner and you love dessert, always offer to make one. <laughs> <laughs> But I'm, I'm very, soups, salads, breads are kind of my go-to things that I make a lot, um, but also just fresh, whatever's at the farmer's market. What is your tip to guarantee a successful dinner party? Invite nice people who like to get along with others and make the environment very welcoming. You know, I always, um, if someone asks if they can do something, I always say yes, because sometimes that's how other people get comfortable in someone else's home. Um, I'm not shy about mixing groups of people. I think whether they have different political bents um, and different views, I think all of our friends are capable of sharing views and maybe changing their minds with each other, but no one's going to be too upset. In the course of your work and your personal life, I'm sure you've done quite a bit of traveling. Is there a meaningful trip that you could tell us about? You know, I think one of my favorite trips ever was um, Michael Scholz, our, our waymaker, and I went to Bordeaux and had just a spectacular trip 
that um, the Chanel team and Michelle Roland coordinated for us. And it was beautiful. The wines were delicious. The food was delicious. But most of all, it was inspiring every day to see how um, a different region attacked similar and different problems than we did and how we could take their solutions and tweak them a little bit to improve what we were doing. And it was just a um, 10 days of lots of ideas that we were then able to, to come back and implement. That would be a, a big one. And then, um, and then Australia. I always love Australia or Paris. <laughs> Those, that would be my, my three favorite. Okay. I can't pick one. It all sounds fabulous to me. Is there something that people might be surprised to learn about you? Do you skydive, rappel down mountains? I'm very clumsy. <laughs> I don't believe it. Those are probably not safe activities for me. <laughs> okay, so she's not an adventure seeker. <laughs> adventure seeker, but with with caution. caution. <laughs> yes, this is why I like to run instead of bike. I'm closer to the ground when I fall. Oh, Lordy. <laughs> Anything else that people might be surprised to learn about you other than you're occasionally clumsy? It, well, the clumsy is why I'm not skydiving. Yes. Um, Maybe you did something crazy as a child. Well, yes. My, my, <laughs> my three brothers would all agree to that. But I did, I, I grew up surfing and skateboarding and, um, you know, being on the beach and being outside all the time. But I also have always been super active in, in the community, both as a child um, to today. But I, I think people would be surprised to know that I'm the first generation American for my family. Hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, the only one. <laughs> only one. <laughs> There's only one well, now, in the swing. Now my niece and nephews. You talked about community. You are very uh, dedicated to giving back to the community. Let's talk about that briefly. Why is that important to you? I think that um, we're very um, privileged to be here and to be able to live in this beautiful place. And, and not everyone is so fortunate. But, you know, it's not just about being in Napa Valley. I, I've always felt that way, and I think a lot of that is my mother's influence. You know, when I was in second and third grade, I, I used to read to the other kids at the library and volunteer to shelve books. I volunteered from, I don't know, fifth grade on um, working at the hospital. I was just interested. And, um, you know, actually helping other people is, is really rather selfish because it's nice to be appreciated and to do something nice for other people and um, there's a reward in that as well. Absolutely. Well let's wrap things up with five quick questions. Oh boy. They're very lighthearted. Okay. Ready? Trying. <laughs> <laughs> There'll be a breeze. What's your favorite flower? Peonies. What kind of car do you drive? Tesla. What's your favorite holiday? Thanksgiving. Who is your favorite actor? That's really hard for me. I, okay, one I of your favorite. A lot of movies, but I do love Anthony Hopkins okay. because of his versatility. And uh, when I worked for the Coppolas, every he was doing a film uh, with Francis, and all of the team said, "What a nice person he is." What is one of your favorite places to visit in the Napa Valley, other than Saint Supery? Aubert de Soleil. 
There you go. Emma, fantastic <laughs> to spend time with you today. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Thanks for coming out and spending the afternoon on the porch with the birds in the background and a little rosé in the glass. I know it's like perfect. Cheers. Cheers. Visit winecountrywomen.com to join our exclusive list so you can be the first to learn about upcoming offers and events. Grab a glass and join us next week for a new edition of Wine Country Women.